0: That's the one thing that I think a lot of young athletes and new strength training athletes kind of get wrong is they push really hard and they do way too much and that's just absolutely not necessary and it makes it actually harder for you to continue progressing into the future. Yeah, so I just started uh, my YouTube channel maybe like four months ago and I wasn't actually planning on providing any kind of informative content or entertaining content. I was more just going to use the platform to track my own fitness progress and also just to have something to look back on at some yeah. point later in life when I can't lift the same amount of weight as I do now. Um, so, yeah, I started about four months ago, and then I started producing like informative and entertaining content uh, more within the last couple months. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was actually looking at some of the videos, like um, the one with milk, the the one that yeah. you put with milk, that was interesting, like it <laughs> yeah. was a different perspective, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely, it's a, it's a lot different uh, being a plant-based athlete, because you know, yeah. so many people have so many misconceptions about, you know, where you get your protein, or how do you eat enough calories, and I've been vegan now at this point for six years, so it's become the norm to me, mm-hmm. but I still forget that so many people don't even know where to start when it comes to plant-based dieting and the vegan lifestyle.
1: Yeah. So when did, why did you start? Like, why did you want to become a vegan?
0: Uh, So I originally started eating plant-based because of the purported health benefits of the diet. Mm -hmm. And then as I kind of, you know, started to work those plant-based foods more and more into my diet, I started to become more open and receptive to the like animal ethics side of it and then Mm. like the environmental impacts of our dietary choices. And so after, you know, seeing a lot of the stuff that's out there, the content that's out there regarding animal ethics and environmental impact with our dietary dietary choices, that's when I kind of just made the hard switch to being a hundred percent vegan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So how was that? Like, did you feel like a different way after you stopped eating? meat or kind of like those products uh
0: definitely at first um i would say the biggest change at first is if you're eating 100 plant-based uh, and you're trying to eat predominantly whole foods you have to eat a much greater volume of food to get the same amount of calories. If you're not eating as much yeah, processed yeah. foods and if you're not eating any animal products, you're gonna find that you're just gonna have to eat a lot more food to get the same amount of calories in. And so when I originally transitioned to the vegan lifestyle on a plant-based diet, I found that I was under eating significantly, not you know on purpose, but because I just didn't really know exactly what to eat. And so I lost maybe like, 10 to 15 pounds in like the first few months and eventually you know after watching a ton of stuff on youtube because now you know we have the internet the answers are out there i found out you know i was just eating way too little and i needed to consume more food and you know specific kinds of food in order to get the same amount of calories so once i figure that out now at this point like i feel amazing i feel better than i ever have especially with regard to uh fitness and health. So Yeah, at this point, it's no problem to follow the plant-based diet.
1: Yeah. Um, But you're talking about, like, uh, being hungry. Like, that's kind of, like, what I was thinking. Like, you're not always hungry throughout the whole day. Um, So did you kind of – how did you split up your meals? Like, did you add a fourth meal in or –
0: Yeah, so before actually going vegan, you know, I still do a lot of strength training now, but I used to be a lot more into, like, bodybuilding-style training – and you know i was a bit of a meathead myself back in the day so i used to eat like six seven meals a day and right. like it wasn't uncommon for me to eat you know like 12 eggs a day like a pound of ground beef and like three chicken breasts and you know just a ton of like carbs and other other foods on the side as well so i was eating a ton of meals and i continued to eat you know the same amount of meals but it was just when you're eating Whole foods uh, and like whole plant foods they're a lot less calorie dense, so you can eat the same amount of food just doesn't have the same amount of calories and yeah. so really, what I found that I had to do was just incorporate you know even more food into my same old five six meals a day
1: yeah, yeah, so that's pretty uh that's pretty interesting like um talking about the food that you're eating and the types of food is important too right like oh
0: hundred percent man
1: so um, like a big misconception, I guess with vegan, uh, diets is that there's not a lot of protein, like you said. Yeah. So, um, how were did you like feel like you had, a like, a not a supplement of protein, but like less protein that you were taking in after you switched to plant-based?
0: Um, you know, I think in the early stages, I was a little more concerned about it. And again, just because I was still in that same old frame of mind, especially coming from more of like the bodybuilding background there's this big uh, like notion that you have to consume you know it's in the bodybuilding field it's like one gram per pound of body weight. And when I started to actually look at the research I realized like that is complete bro science and so the recommendations that I follow now is anywhere from 1.2 to 1.7 grams per kilogram of body weight. And so where I was you know before let's say I weighed 180 pounds, I would eat 180 grams of protein a day now weighing around 180 pounds. I would really only eat, you know, anywhere from like 90 grams of protein to 130, 140 grams of protein. And that's just based on the research that I've looked at. And so those are the recommendations that I follow. And I find that my performance hasn't suffered at all falling within those ranges for protein intake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's like, um, I even think about even my friends and stuff is always talking about like, steak you know i have to eat a steak every day and stuff like that um, yeah. yeah
0: yeah and i think uh, especially with athletes um there's the idea that you know you're breaking down tissue in training and therefore you know i need to eat more protein in order to make sure that i'm recovering properly and that can 100 percent be done on a plant-based diet there's another cool concept that i've actually introduced on my youtube channel and it's the idea of protein complementing so we know that proteins are made up of individual amino acids and whole plant foods have complete amino acid profiles it's just that the individual amino acids within those foods can be varying in their amounts so there are ways that you can complement specific foods which have complementary amino acid profiles to ass- so your body can assimilate whole proteins so an example would be like corn and beans They have amino acid profiles which complement one another. So if you consume those foods together, your body can assimilate whole proteins from those individual amino acids. And so the thing is, this does not have to be done at the same meal. As long as you're eating a variety of whole plant foods, you're going to get a variety of individual amino acids throughout the day, and your body can take those amino acids and assimilate whole proteins. the idea that you have to consume foods with, you know, high amounts of protein, it's a little bit nonsense. You mm. can have foods which are lower in protein, still have complete amino acid profiles, complement those foods where necessary by eating a variety of whole plant foods, yeah. and you'll hit your protein targets, you know, no problem.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool actually.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it is pretty cool when you actually look at the science of it. And the mm. thing is, humans like Compared to other animals out there, our protein requirements are so low that it's almost completely unnecessary for people to be concerned about their protein intake if they're eating a sufficient amount of calories and eating a variety of different whole foods.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy even if you think about it, like humans aren't really the most athletic species out there. You know what I mean?
0: No, like, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely not the biggest or the strongest by any means. <laughs>
1: yeah. So like kind of thinking that it's it's interesting, like it's a different perspective than what people think. Yeah. So, yeah. Talking about like, staying on top of nutrition, I also wanted to talk about supplements and like, proteins, protein powder and stuff like that. So do yeah. you take do you take any of those?
0: Uh, I'll have protein powders here and there. They're not something that I would take daily or even weekly. Um, I would usually only use them when I'm on the go. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with using protein supplements. Uh, It's just I don't really do it that often because I don't find that I need to. Now, when I have my busier weeks, I'll have, I do have protein powder here in the house. And sometimes if I'm like really on the go, I'll just take a scoop, throw it in a shaker cup, grab an apple and I'll head out the door. But other than that, you know, there's not really a need to supplement with protein if you're eating, you know, variety of whole foods.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I think it's important to try to get all your nutrients from actual foods, like whole foods, like you said. Oh, percent,
0: hundred percent. So
1: like, even for me, I'm a, I try to stay as natural as I can with like everything that I do, like even mm-hmm. food that I eat, I do eat meat, but I try to like, you know, get like organic chicken, like real, real foods instead of processed. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been trying to stay away from supplements and stuff like that. Cause if I can get it from food, I'd much rather um just get it from a, like a steak or a salad or apples or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's anything necessarily wrong. Like from my, from my viewpoint, at least there's nothing really wrong with, having supplements if if you feel that you know they might aid in performance or you know help you just to get everything that you need in but um yeah you don't have to take them absolutely as long as you're consuming the right foods and if you have a you know fairly good understanding of nutrition and your specific needs
1: yeah yeah because i mean it's definitely difficult with nutrition and stuff that's like new studies every single day or every week you know trying to yeah, like stand yeah. out. Of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And again, I'm not a nutrition expert, but yeah. we do have all of this information available online. And again, there's going to be a lot of misinformation as well, so you're going to have to filter through some of that. Um, but the other thing too is like we have resources available. You can go to your doctor and get a blood test, see if you're deficient in any specific um, nutrients or any you know specific markers in your blood, and from there you can kind of work on what you need specifically for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely important to I mean it's good to do stuff that's like generalized that works for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. trying to find out what's good for you is like what you need. It might not be the same as what uh you might need or what my other friend might need. So try to like yeah. figure out what yeah, you what absolutely. you need. Yeah. Um so I actually got a question from some of my friends because I told them I was gonna do a podcast with you.
0: Yeah and sure, um
1: man. they were asking about bulking and cutting, like Um, I don't don't really understand like really the science behind it. So can you kind of explain like why people bulk and cut?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the basic idea behind bulking is that you're eating in a caloric surplus. And in this way, your body has an easier time building muscle mass. Now, people like to take this really far and do, you know, like dirty bulks where you'll just eat anything and everything in sight and you can, you know, exceed your caloric maintenance so much so that you also accumulate a ton of fat, which makes it much more necessary for you to go through periods of cutting. Now, again, this is if you're someone who's bodybuilding or powerlifting or you have specific uh, goals with regard to aesthetics. Um, But yeah, bulking, essentially, you're in a caloric surplus. Cutting, you're in a caloric deficit, just meaning that if you're in if you're bulking, you're trying to eat more than your caloric maintenance. If you're cutting, you're trying to eat less than your caloric maintenance. The thing is, uh, when you're bulking, I, I don't typically recommend bulking um, purely for the reason that if you're eating in a massive caloric surplus, you're going to have to lose all of that fat that you gain at some point. And you know, when you're actually cutting, it's much harder for you to maintain muscle mass and build muscle build strength so the closer that you can stay to your caloric maintenance on either side whether you're just trying to go into a like slight bulk or a lean bulk you can just go up like 200 calories above your maintenance that's probably the best way to do it and then when you're trying to diet again taking your diet nice and slow so that you're not losing a ton of muscle mass while your body's pulling things out of storage for energy
1: yeah yeah i think that's definitely important like You also said about dirty bulking, like, I don't think that's a, uh, that's kind of mind blowing to me a little bit, like, why you would think that eating extra French fries or something like that is going to be beneficial, because I think it's definitely the food that you intake, like the type of foods is important too with the amount of food that you're taking.
0: Yeah, definitely. It definitely affects your energy levels too. Obviously, if you're eating McDonald's every day, you're going to feel a lot more lethargic, right? Mm -hmm. And so for you, someone who is more like an athlete, you're not someone who's focused purely on, you know, bodybuilding or powerlifting. Uh, Obviously for you, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I eat a bunch of crappy food to get my calories in? Because you're not focused on trying to just gain as much weight as possible, right? Um, But people get sucked into when you're in the gym and you're trying to bulk up and build muscle, it's very easy to get sucked into, oh, I'll just eat more and more to fuel my gains or whatever it is, and then you get sucked into the dirty bulking, and six months later, you're 40 pounds heavier than you were, and now you gotta lose 20 pounds of fat, you know? So even if you built a ton of muscle, you're gonna have a ton of fat to lose, and it's just a recipe for disaster if you go too much on that side of the caloric surplus.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, like, any extreme for anything isn't just going to be, like, beneficial at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, But I actually had something like that. I think uh, I did an accidental book in, like, this summer
0: because,
1: you know, I was at home with my parents um, because of COVID and stuff. So (laughs) I was eating home-cooked, like, chicken and so much more food than I would have, like, um, every day. And I definitely felt like um, I was getting more muscle during that period. Of time so I don't know if those two were correlated or because I was growing but um, I wasn't trying to like purposely eat more you know what I mean
0: yeah. yeah yeah well and you were probably less active maybe to some degree if you're stuck at home too mm-hmm. which you know because there's two sides to when we're talking about burning calories right like you have to consume food for energy and then you use that energy so if you want to initiate a caloric surplus you can either eat more food or be less active and if you're doing both at once it's very easy for you to just accumulate a ton of mass on your body
1: yeah yeah definitely and like I even know because during the uh, year I have basketball practices and then school and sometimes it's hard to like put that if I have a practice late at night I can't wake up early before school to get a workout and you know
0: yeah, but yeah. the whole
1: summer like I was uh doing push-ups and uh chin-ups and stuff like that so I think um I think that was definitely it like
0: yeah yeah and so when you play basketball do you have like an on-season and an off-season
1: yeah um I did before but now there's AU like summer basketball so oh,
0: okay.
1: um it's kind of like basketball all year round to be honest yeah, yeah yeah
0: is uh is like one season more competitive than the other for you
1: yeah, summer season is definitely more uh, competitive because it's tournaments, like, to the States and stuff and, like, really big. Um, those are, like, the big tournaments with, like, college coaches and stuff. So,
0: yeah, right on, man. I, I don't know that much about basketball myself, yeah. so it's interesting to hear that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, And I just want to stick on one more thing with, like, the nutrition. Yeah. Um, So I kind of want to go to polar opposite of what you were talking about with six or seven meals a day. What do you think about intermittent fasting?
0: Um, You know, intermittent fasting is something that I have used in the past. I would say that if you're an athlete looking for performance benefits, intermittent fasting probably isn't the best way to go. Uh, And again, I don't know a ton about this. This is purely my opinion and based on my experience. But if you're trying to exercise and you're doing it in a fasted state, your body's not going to have as much energy available to it as if you were to eat prior to that training session. Um, So if you're trying to really optimize your performance in each training session, I would say that intermittent fasting probably isn't the way to go. But if you're working on trying to basically maintain a specific body composition, if you want to remain relatively lean, Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting makes that much easier because you're eating in a much shorter window of time. So if you only have six hours to eat every day, you're gonna find it pretty hard to overeat. Whereas if you're eating all day long, you know, anything can happen. So I've used intermittent fasting in the past, but I haven't really used it at all for performance benefits or even to try to get leaner. I've usually used intermittent fasting because I find that it aids in my productivity throughout the day. So if I go the first six hours of my day without eating, That means for the first six hours of my day, I don't have to worry about what is going into my mouth. I can just focus on whatever work I have and whatever I want to do. So that's why I've used intermittent fasting. But I do know that some people find that they like to use it to maintain a specific body composition, a specific body fat percentage. I wouldn't say that there's necessarily any performance benefits, though, to using intermittent fasting.
1: Yeah, because that's something I was looking at, like – um there's a lot of people I, I watch a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts and stuff like that, yeah, so um, seeing that intermittent fast like I was thinking, especially as a kid, like you want to um eat more food to grow, you know, because you're still growing yeah. in like, that growing stage, so um yeah. so that's why I was wondering, like do you think that even kids in like high school should be considering like an intermittent fast or something like that?
0: um you know again, everything that I'm saying here is just based on like my opinion and experience like I don't yeah. want anyone to take this. and go <laughs> fast and not eat enough food and, you know, you know, die or end up in the hospital or something. something. Um, But when it comes to um, intermittent fasting, I have seen research out there that suggests that, you know, it is kind of like the natural way that humans might have eaten thousands of years ago, right? We would have gone out and gathered and hunted during the day and we would have come home at night and feasted for a few hours. Then we would have gone to bed and repeat that cycle the next morning there are also some studies out there i believe that suggest that intermittent fasting can improve longevity and so there's some talk of like autophagy which is essentially this process where your body renews cells and when you're eating throughout the day your body has a much harder time of undergoing this process so when you have periods of fasting your body can kind of renew and recycle old cells and so there is some research out there suggesting that it's good for longevity and that it kind of makes sense based on what we used to do in the past. However, I don't think that it's necessary now. And I think that as a kid and, or as a teen, someone who's still growing, you should really probably just follow like the general food guide and eat, you know, a few meals a day. And I, I wouldn't stress too much about what I'm eating really, except for to make sure that it's healthy food.
1: Okay. All right, so that's good. That's a good like a guideline for anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of all that I want to talk about nutrition. because um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. Like you know, you talk about it all the time. Like you're a plant based like body. Um, you're somebody that's plant based and does workouts, and
0: yeah. I think
1: it's interesting to get that other perspective than uh than what you usually see on YouTube or Instagram and stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. And again, the uh, one hundred percent plant based dieting is relatively new. Um, it's a relatively new idea, at least, you know, in the mainstream. So when people see me and you know, I'm not, I'm not even that strong realistically. Like I do a little bit of powerlifting for fun. I've done a little bit of bodybuilding for fun, but I like to kind of dabble in all areas of fitness and people will see me at the gym and they'll be like, how are you so strong when all you eat is plants? It's like, what do you, what do you mean? Like there's nothing different about what I do And what you do in principle, you know, I focus on getting specific amount of macronutrients, a specific amount of calories, a specific amount of micronutrients, and that's it. The sources may be very different, but the underlying principles are the same. So if you want to be an athlete and be plant-based, it's 100% doable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good message to have. Like, I mean, even now, if you think about it, so many people are um, not eating enough vegetables and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So even if you want to do it just for just for that benefit of eating like more vegetables and stuff, I definitely think it's a good, uh, good idea.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, With the plant-based diet and again, because there's, there's a difference between veganism and plant-based dieting, but we're, if we're talking specifically about plant-based dieting or even veganism, in some cases, if someone is trying to transition into veganism, what I would typically recommend people do. And again, uh, this kind of depends on the situation. But if someone's really struggling, I'll just recommend trying to incorporate more and more and more plant-based foods, whole plant-based foods, until eventually you've completely weaned off of animal products. Now, again, veganism is more of an ethical stance. And so it's the idea that, you know, it's not okay to kill, harm animals, exploit animals. And so that's a little different. Uh, From the vegan perspective, it's no, like you should abstain from eating animal products. From the plant-based perspective though, I would say if you're someone who's looking to get into it, just try to incorporate more and more plant-based alternatives until you can shy away from animal products altogether.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good advice. Um, yeah. And that should kind of be it for everything. Like usually when you try to jump into a habit, like especially for me, when I try to like jump into a new habit, I feel like if I go all out, I'm going to go out for like one or two or three days, but then after I'm like, Oh, you know, I kind of want to go back to the other thing. So I think it's good to definitely like gradually, um, do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: Yep. So, um, that's, uh, that's kind of all that I want to talk about nutrition and I kind of want to bring it back into in the gym, um, workouts. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you first started, um, working out?
0: When I first started lifting weights, because, you know, I played hockey my whole life. So I always had, you know, some aspect of training going on in my life. But I didn't really start weight training, resistance training until I was about 17, like early 17 years old. And uh, I think I was like 130, 135 pounds at the time when I started. Um, So yeah, started around 17. And I'm 26 now. So it's been nearly a decade that I've been training with weights and I haven't been consistent the entire time, you know, like I'm, I haven't been just doing powerlifting or just doing bodybuilding style training. I like to dabble in all areas of fitness, but yeah, about almost a decade that I've been training with weights.
1: That's pretty cool. That's pretty interesting too. Like, um, I feel like it's a lot of people that look at uh, people like you and you're a pretty strong guy. Like you're a big guy. And if I see you, I'm like, wow. Um, you know, I want to be like that, but sometimes you overlook the fact that it takes a long, like it's a long road to get there, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, needs to be talked about if people are trying to acquire strength or, you know, build a ton of muscle mass is it just takes a really long time. (laughs) Like uh, you're not going to get there in six months. You know, you're going to see really good gains in six months. You're going to see those newbie gains, But if you want to lift really heavy weights or if you want to be very muscular, it takes a really long time. And a lot of people are just impatient or maybe they don't understand it It takes a long time and they get frustrated and fall off. But if you're consistent with your training, you can get super strong. It's just going to take a long time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I think it's like that for everything with life. Like if you, um, like nothing's really going to happen overnight. Um, Mm -hmm. That's going to last long, you know? So if you could think about, if you can um, think about yourself, like when you were 17, you first starting out, what are some, uh, what are some tips that you would give to yourself?
0: Oh man. Um, Probably just to uh, enjoy the process a little more and be realistic with your goals. I think when you start off with lifting weights, It's very easy to get sucked into like the first six months, you're going to make a ton of gains and you're gonna be super, super happy with the results, but just like anything in life, you're going to have that desire for more. And when you have noticed that in the first six months, you've made amazing gains, it's very easy to set lofty goals. Like for example, with me within about the first year of training, I was able to bench 225 pounds and you know, that's pretty good for a year of training. Uh, I was also growing a little bit, just being younger and, you know, going through teenage processes. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is like for that first year, I made a decent amount of strength gains and then I set my goals as like, Oh, I got to a 225 pound bench press in the first year. Well, I'm going to bench 405 pounds next year. And it's like, that is not realistic in like any world. Like, with all of the performance enhancing drugs in the world that would not have been possible for me, but I was just so caught up in the fact that, you know, I've made all these amazing gains in the first year, these newbie gains, and I didn't really understand what was realistic moving forward. And so it's very easy to set lofty goals and then become disappointed with what you achieve. And so I would just say to enjoy the process a little bit more, understand that it's going to take time, no matter what you're doing, that's just, the way that life operates and, um, yeah, enjoy the process.
1: Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. Like sometimes some people just need to hear that, you know, like that is especially coming from someone like you, that Mm -hmm. it's not going to take, um, it's not going to happen that quickly and just enjoy where you are right now. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of people that's ashamed, I guess a little bit of where they're starting off, you know? Yeah. But I think it's important to understand, like, Even for me right now, you might like see folks I say I'm skinny and stuff, but that's fine because I know that I'm just going to keep working hard and um, eventually I'm going to get to um, like, I'm going to grow more muscle, even if it doesn't happen like in a few months or stuff, it's fine.
0: Yeah. I also think that, you know, especially at your age, it's very easy to um, kind of find find that you get sucked into the idea of like, I want to be this, I want to be that. And it's, you got to be happy with who you are as a person first, Mm -hmm. because you can lift weights for the rest of your life and never be satisfied with what you, what you actually attain and what you achieve. You have to be happy with the person that you see in the mirror. So it's nice to set goals, but you really have to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like just set a goal and then detach from it, you know, like, you yeah. know what the, you know what the goal is, but now just be in the present. And yeah, I think especially it, I, now, no, what are you going to say?
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's a, a lot better to focus on the person that you're going to become from achieving those goals rather than focusing so much on the goals themselves. Yeah. The goals are great and we can work towards those, but I would be much more interested in the person that I'm going to become in the process of achieving those goals And so that's what I would really focus on if I could start all over again is focus on who do I want to be as a person? What do I want to achieve as that person? Set those goals and then work on building the character traits necessary to move myself in the right direction. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, because I think that's really important. Like even through basketball, I learned like a lot of different character traits that I probably wouldn't have learned like if I didn't play the sport, you know? Mm-hmm. so what are some mental like benefits that you got from uh, working out
0: um so I think <laughs> it's it's hard to say because I've just been like an athlete my whole life so it's very hard for me to look at it from the other side as I'm sure like it's probably similar for you right like I yeah. I feel as though I've never been and I, I don't mean to sound like uh, fool myself or anything but like I never seen myself as like. The average person, like I've always felt very driven, and I've always felt like I've always wanted to achieve a lot in my life. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when it comes to fitness, like what have, what have I gained from it? I think that it has taught me to be persistent, but I think that that was something that I already kind of had within yes. myself, anyways. It taught me that you know you need to be consistent with what you're doing if you want to achieve results. But again, I think that that was something that I already kind of knew. So working out it's not like it necessarily brought a ton of new perspective to me in terms of like mental changes but it more just highlighted highlighted the things that were already there
1: yeah yeah for sure like I if I think about myself too like um I knew I was a hard worker before I really Mm -hmm. started like um in ninth grade I really started like getting into basketball training like every single day and stuff but that kind of brought it out like you said um and i think those traits kind of are if you want to be um successful with working out or playing basketball or pretty much anything having those uh traits like um being persistent and uh cons- consistency is um it's going to really going to help you just uh get through that and like reach your goal
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: yeah so um now i just want wanted to get into like um your preferences cuz like you were saying about nutrition, like, um, this is, I just want to know what you think about it. So if you say something that's like somebody else going to get angry and stuff, it's all good because it's just your opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, so for workouts, what, um, what type of like workouts do you prefer? Like do you like more weights or kettlebells or calisthenics or stuff like that?
0: Uh, so honestly, I like to (laughs) dabble in it all. I've Uh done long distance races in the past, you know, like a couple of years ago I did with my friend, a 100 kilometer multi-sport race, which was like kayaking, biking and running. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also have done stuff like powerlifting. Now I've never competed in powerlifting or bodybuilding, but that's probably where I've spent most of my time. And that's where I've found like the most enjoyment in training. But that said, like, I like to play around with it all. Uh, A couple of years ago, I did kickboxing and jujitsu for a bit. Uh, This last summer (laughs) I skateboarded all summer. So I like to do a little bit of everything. I just like to remain relatively active. And whenever I like fall into something, you know, it's, I'm sure you can probably relate to this as an athlete. It's very easy to just like obsess over whatever that is and get really sucked into it. So I tend to do that myself, but with a ton of different things. And so if I had to pick my favorite or the one that i've spent the most time with it would probably be powerlifting and bodybuilding but you know like i've enjoyed a ton of different sports and a ton of different varieties of training
1: mm-hmm. and i think that's really important to kind of put yourself into different um, environments especially mm-hmm. as an athlete like um cross training i think is important or like doing things that you wouldn't get in uh in just one avenue of a sport so yeah. um how how do you feel like those uh, doing all those different things like helped you as an overall athlete?
0: So uh, I think, you know, it's like the phrase, you know, you can be the jack of all trades and master of none. Um, I would kind of, you know, say that's me, like, I like to do a ton of different things. And I'm like, relatively good at most things in terms of the fitness, fitness realm. But I'm not like, really awesome at any of them in particular yeah. like if we look at my powerlifting, for example just recently i tested my squat bench and deadlift my squat i hit 420 my bench press i hit 350 and my deadlift i hit 520 and like that's to insane. the average person yeah that seems like like to the person people who don't really lift a lot of weights that's like wow that's really strong but if you put me in a room with like actual competitive power at my same body weight like they would probably have 200 pounds on every single one of those lifts. So I'm not like an elite athlete in any of those realms, but I'm pretty good at almost everything. And mm. I have fun that way. You know, I'm not trying to be a professional athlete in any realm. So I just like to play around and I think that it definitely will play well into my longevity as an athlete because if you get very focused and you know, pinpoint, focus on one specific sport, I think that's where you start to see an increased likelihood of injury over time because you're just doing the same things over and over again. You're exhibiting the same postural habits. Whereas since I change it up so often and I like to do so many different things in the fitness realm, I think that I will have a lot greater longevity within all of these things moving forward and I'll be able to continue to do them as I get into late age.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, I think it's, um, it's really interesting to see how everything's kind of connected, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, if you, I know for me, I started playing a lot of table tennis with my dad in the basement. Yeah. So, um, and he was playing like crazy. when he was younger, uh, he would play like hours a day with his brothers. So, <laughs> I I my, my I didn't even feel it like when we were playing, but when I got on the basketball court, my reflexes started to get better and I started like kind of getting different benefits from uh from that game. I don't know if it was like a hundred percent that game, but I think uh table tennis really played a uh, impact. So mm-hmm. um so I definitely think like kind of putting yourself in different positions, it's not just gonna be like beneficial athletically, but it's also really fun, like you said, and I think doing stuff that's fun is um, more important than doing something that's like boring and you kind of don't want to do it, you know?
0: Yeah. I also think that, you know, and for most pro athletes nowadays, most of them are going to have a lot better longevity now than let's say 20 years ago, because the science has just come so far. And so we know what we need to do in order to keep people in tip top shape and provide them benefits and injury prevention. So there is a lot greater emphasis on, Specific parts of training, no matter what sport you're in, in order to make sure that you can perform at your best for your longest. So, at this point now, I think for most athletes, you're pretty set in the sense that most coaches now, especially at the highest levels, really know what they're doing in terms of getting the most in uh, performance out of you, but also in making sure that you can perform for the longest amount of time. So, although, yes, I like to do a ton of different sports, I think that will play into my personal longevity. I do think that most athletes nowadays in any sport you're going to get what you need because the science is there and the coaches know what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you like I remember watching this video um on like Olympic racing like a mm-hmm. running and um it showed like how as the years went by um the times were getting like a decreasing. So then mm-hmm. there was the question like is it really um that like people are getting stronger and faster or was it like the different shoes that were developed or like the new (laughs) ground and stuff so it's um it's definitely like the science is definitely there and it's like increasing exponentially
0: oh yeah it's crazy man and i think we'll just continue to see that more and more it's not necessarily i don't think that you know like human potential has just gone up so much. I think that the human potential has always been there. Mm -hmm. And we're just starting to recognize the science behind it all. And we're able to bring it all together and get the best performance out of our athletes. And I think that we will just continue to see that more and more moving into the future too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I mean even if you think about now, like there's so many athletes like LeBron James, he's like thirty seven or thirty-six, I think. And there's so many athletes that are really old but they're still playing like dunking and doing all these crazy activities so yeah um, yeah i'm right there with you
0: yeah man
1: um so now uh i remember you were talking about bro science before and um uh, i just think that's a really funny word of uh, bro science but um i i i, I think a, a lot of aspect of bro science is also like how you um plan out your workouts throughout the week so what what type of workout plan do you think is best for um like an athlete if you want to do full bodies or like push and pull or like different body parts and stuff?
0: Yeah. So uh, this is actually a really interesting question because we would have to go over the differences between practice and training, right? Mm -hmm. So practice is the development of skills, right? Skill acquisition. So if you're a basketball player, it's dribbling, it's passing, it's understanding how things are moving on the court. That's, practice. And then we have training, which is increasing our physiological capacity. So increasing our functional fitness. And this can be in terms of strength, in terms of power, in terms of muscular endurance. It's going to be different depending on the sport, what you actually want to develop. So designing programs for athletes has to be very specific to them, not just in terms of their sport, but also in terms of their schedule, like when they're competing, because your training in the off season is going to look a lot different than your training when you're in season, right? Because when you're in season, you're not necessarily trying to make massive gains in strength, in speed, in, in any kind of like functional fitness. You're more just trying to maintain that as well as possible and prevent injury. Now, when you're a younger athlete, maybe this changes a little bit because you guys are still growing being younger. Uh, We can focus on developing fitness through training a little bit more, Uh, but especially as you become a more seasoned athlete, you're just trying to maintain as much as possible in season and then off season, that's where we'll really focus on training and developing that physiological capacity. Now, the interesting thing is if we develop our physiological capacity, if we develop our functional fitness um, as much as we can, we'll probably be able to put more into our Practice. We'll probably be able to put more into developing our skill because when you're dribbling around on the court, that's not too fatiguing. So you can do a ton of that. But we wouldn't necessarily want to put you through wind sprints every single day, especially if you have three games this week, right? So designing programs for athletes becomes fairly complicated and it needs to be relatively personalized. Now, I would say for most sports, or let's use basketball as the example. And again, I don't have a ton of experience with basketball athletes, but I would say that you're probably going to want to train more full body because um, in your training sessions, you don't have to do a ton in season within each training session. So you can probably get away with training full body. You don't necessarily need to split it up into upper, lower, or push-pull legs. You could maybe save that for in the off-season – uh, you can split up your workouts like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it is really interesting. The differences between training and practice and how we would structure those for different athletes. But I think it is, uh, highly variable depending on the athlete, the sport and their personal schedule too. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you on that one. Like, um, I know for me, I do full body like every other day and Mm -hmm. then, um, And then the days I'm not doing that, I'm doing like some sort of mobility, uh, work for my legs, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, you're, you're a young athlete still, so you can get away with probably training a little bit more in, in season. Yeah. Whereas as you get older, um, as you become a more seasoned athlete, you're probably not going to do so much training, um, in season. You're still going to train, no doubt. We want to maintain your fitness levels as much as possible. But we're not necessarily going to be looking to make tremendous amount of gains in your functional fitness while you're in season, and it's going to be for a couple of reasons. One is training is fatiguing, whereas practice isn't as fatiguing, and then also uh, as you get older, um, as you become a more developed athlete, we need to develop you know less a lesser degree of your fitness. You probably already have the fitness base there. If you've been like working out and competing in your sport for ten years. You probably don't need to get a ton stronger on your back squats in the gym, but you can still get better at dribbling, passing, and reading the play on the court. Does that make yeah. sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So, what about for people that like, or teenagers that aren't that want to get started to workouts, but they're not like playing any competitive sports and stuff, um, and they want to start building muscle? Like, what type of uh, workout, like weekly plan, would you give for them?
0: So you're just talking like uh, this is a a non-athlete, like they're not competing in sport. Um, So for the beginner, I would say, you know, for the most part, you're just going to be wanting to focus on learning movement patterns, right? Because when you're starting to work out, you don't know how to push weights. You don't know how to... Pull weights, you don't know how to do knee-dominant exercises, do hip-dominant exercises. So a lot of what you're going to be doing is just working on movement patterns. And as such, um, since you're in that learning process, you're going to benefit from a greater deal of frequency in your training, especially if you're a natural athlete, like you're not using any performance-enhancing drugs. So I would recommend, for most people, like a full-body workout three times a week. Maybe, you know, three to four times a week. You could do it every other day kind of thing. A full body workout, a rest day. A full body workout, a rest day. And then I would start off nice and low with the volume. And so volume is sets times reps times load. And then gradually increase that volume over time. And you want to, again, make sure that you're practicing the movements. When you're a new um, strength training athlete, a lot of the adaptations that you get within your strength are not going to be from building any muscle. It's going to be a lot from just getting better at the movements. And that's where we can go back to that idea of training versus practice. In the beginning, we're not looking to do a ton of training. We're not looking to stress the body like crazy. We're looking to practice the movements nail them down so that as we move forward, we're very efficient with those movements and we can target whatever we're looking to, depending on whatever adaptations we're seeking.
1: Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So like, just not try to think about, just try to like learn the movement quality first, like, like mm-hmm. try to like the learning curve. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And for newer athletes, um, it you really don't need to stress the body that much in order to make it grow either. So, um, are you familiar with RPE scale at all? Uh, no. So RPE is rate of perceived exertion. So it's, it's typically, it's a scale of one to 10, right? So if I told you to do the bench press, um, and you know, I told you to go all out, give me as many reps as possible. And you did your rate of perceived exertion for that set would be a 10 on that scale of one to 10, right? Um, But if I told you do the bench press and leave three reps in the tank, that would mean that your rate of perceived exertion would be around a seven. Mm -hmm. So when you're training as a new lifter, your RPE, like the amount of effort that you're actually putting into each set in your workout does not have to be a 10 in order to stimulate an adaptation. You can train around a six, seven and stimulate adaptation, especially because a lot of the adaptations that you're going to be getting are just from getting better at the movement. So you don't have to go in the gym and kill yourself every single workout. Now, that seems very confusing because, like, especially I know when I started working out as a young guy, I went into the gym every single time and, like, I would not leave until I felt like I couldn't move, right? And that was just the totally wrong way of doing it. I needed to practice the movements. I needed to keep it at a relatively low RPE so that I'm not putting too much out into those workouts and I can make sure that I can drive progressive overload. Um but that's the one thing that I think a lot of young athletes and new strength training athletes kind of get wrong is they push really hard and they do way too much and that's just absolutely not necessary. And it makes it actually harder for you to continue progressing into the future.
1: Yeah. And it could also create injury, like cause injury too.
0: 100%, um, especially when you're not familiar with the movements, right? Like yeah. if, if I'm doing a bench press and my form is all over the place because I've don't, never really bench pressed before and I'm pushing myself till failure on every set, I'm increasing that risk of injury. Now, luckily, when you're starting off, you're usually pretty weak. You know? You're know, bench pressing 65 pounds. Good luck hurting yourself with 65 pounds, man. No yeah. one's hurting themselves with 65 pounds. But you know, there is an increased risk of injury if you're pushing yourself to failure all the time when you're starting off, all you need to do is practice the movement patterns, work it around a six to seven level in terms of that one to one to 10 RPE scale, and you'll make progress over time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I think, um, so that's like one of the two main things that to think about is like, don't, um, just try to learn the movement first, learn movement quality and then, uh, Mm -hmm. try not to like, push your not enough like it's good to push yourself but don't do anything too crazy
0: yeah exactly and and you can push yourself to failure a little bit but i would recommend like leaving it for the end of your workout you know like do practice the movements in the beginning nail down your sets and reps whatever you have laid out and then at the end of your workout when you're already a little bit fatigued then you can push a little bit more to failure and do it on like the safer exercises, like pushups where, you know, the bar is not going to crush you or anything and there's no yeah. real risk of injury. Right. So it's, you know, managing those expectations as a new lifter.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's really important. That's really good. Uh, good advice. Um, I wish somebody would have told me that too, because I was, uh, so this, um, before quarantine started, I was doing a uh, crows and, mm-hmm. uh, I thought I could do like heavier. So I started going up to thirties, which was heavy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just curling. And then one day I just felt like a little pop or something. And I hurt, um, right here in my elbow. I think I got like golfer's elbow or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, medial epicondylitis. (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
1: So like a few, a few months I was like out, um, and I was like, damn, I need to like, I need to just like calm myself down a little bit. yeah you probably just
0: strained something like within the flexor tendons of the forearm (laughs) but yeah yeah definitely that uh that always happens in uh young lifters (laughs) we push too hard for sure
1: yeah and it sucks too like um luckily I like working out and stuff so I was able to get back into it but like having to wait that many months um that could be hard like to get started again
0: oh yeah absolutely not
1: (laughs) yeah so now speaking about like younger, younger lifters, how young do you think? um, How young do you think you should be to start lifting? Cause I know there were some people talking about like it stunts growth and stuff to lift weights at a younger age. So what do you think about that?
0: Yeah. So, um, and again, I haven't looked at the research on this in a while. Uh, again, I took kinesiology, but that was almost four years ago at this point. And, um, and I haven't taken a look at it in a while, but from what I remember um, it's, it's not necessarily high risk to lift weights. When you're young, you can be really young and lift weights. What I would maybe avoid is too much axial loading, which is where you're actually putting, um, like a weight on your back and compressing your axial frame. So like compressing your axial skeleton. Right. So that would be something like back squats. I wouldn't be like nine years old and trying to build up a massive back squat it doesn't mean that you can't squat at all it's just there's certain variations which you know are probably better to avoid while you're younger Um, especially we can talk again about injury risk right certain exercises are going to be inherently more dangerous than others so I think that you can lift weights at a relatively young age you know like 12 years old 14, 12 to 14 years old, you can probably start. And again, it's going to depend on the individual and their level of like development. Um, but yeah, I think you can start young, just manage the exercises appropriately and understand that some exercises are inherently more dangerous. Uh, avoid axial loading maybe as much as possible. And the other thing is like, why are you training weights when you're that young, right? Like you probably just have a ton more growing to do, Without any stimulus, <laughs> you know, like without yeah. any weights, you're probably just going to get bigger and stronger from walking around because you're just a growing machine, right? So I would say 12 to 14 is probably appropriate. You could maybe start a little bit before that, but um, you would have to manage the exercises appropriately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you, especially like with the part you said about like, growing like a growing machine. um mm-hmm. That's something I didn't understand. I was in grade nine. That's when I really. I didn't start with lifting, but I would just do like a few curls before school or something like that. Um, but now I'm starting to realize that like, you know, you're going to grow naturally. And then, um, maybe, maybe your body just needed that little, uh, time to grow for you to start actually seeing more results and stuff.
0: Yeah. And like you said, you know, like if you were doing curls before school or whatever, you know, to impress the girls, that's fine. You know, like curling is a relatively safe exercise. Like I'm just Mm -hmm. flexing at the elbow. That's a lot different than trying to load up as much weight as yeah. possible on the back squat, right? It's they're very different exercises and they carry with them inherently different risks.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like um speaking about the back squat, there was one time I saw this guy in the gym he was doing um back squats and then jumping and then landing with it. And yeah. I thought that was like real dangerous cuz you know, unless you're landing in the same spot every single time with the bar, you know, you're probably going to injure yourself doing that.
0: Yeah. I, you know, again, like there are ways that you can load uh, while performing like jumping exercises. I personally don't think it's the smartest to do it with a barbell on your back purely Mm -hmm. for the reason that again, in that case, you're loading axially. So when those compressive, compressive forces do come down and they will come down when you land, it's going to get placed directly on the spine, directly on this axial skeleton. And that's where You know, (laughs) risk reward ratio. Let's think about this, right? Now, you could hold dumbbells in your hands and do jumping, and that's a lot safer, right? True. You're going to be dispersing that force of the dumbbells through your arms, shoulders, and then it kind of comes into this axial frame. But you're also going to have the weights out here where they're swinging with your arms. So that is going to be a much safer exercise than jump squats with a heavy barbell on your back, right?
1: Yeah. For sure. um, And, you know, personally, for me, I think like, I don't even know if it's really necessary to do that much, w- like weights training when you're younger, you know, like, I yeah, think it's, not,
0: Yeah, not when you're younger. I, I, I think it's he- like very beneficial for like, almost all athletes. But yeah, when you're young, um, again, until you're like 12, 14 years old, you don't really need to be doing it at all.
1: Yeah. So what do you think about calisthenics, though, like, push ups and Pull-ups and chin-ups and stuff like that
0: yeah i think that they're great and like i've done a ton of that in the past actually i have some calisthenics goals right now for this summer i want to nail down handstand push-ups like freestanding yeah. handstand push-ups and uh one-arm chin-ups so uh, I've, yeah. I've done like i can do handstands i've done a one-arm chin-up in the past but i have some new goals i want to get five handstand push-ups and three one arm chin up so that's my calisthenics goals for this year but Mm. i think that uh calisthenics are great um they're going to be different in a lot of ways than if you're loading with a barbell but i think that they're awesome for athletes to incorporate into their exercise routines
1: yeah yeah definitely like i i like doing calisthenics a lot like mostly because it's just so fun like for me it's it's not like when i do a curl and stuff sometimes i just guess like so repetitive but with calisthenics, you could like do whatever. that's yeah. pretty cool when you do it too.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a ton of variety with it, and you also learn how to control your body a lot better, which I think is one of the major benefits to calisthenics over just purely lifting weights. Is when you actually move your body through space, it's a lot different different than moving a weight or a barbell through space.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, but. You know, sometimes like I hear people saying that calisthenics is only like gonna build strength and uh, not really like hypertrophy, like muscle. I would, um,
0: I would, yeah, I would completely disagree with that. And and, like, there's a few reasons why. Um, first of all, like developing strength or hypertrophy is going to be based on progressive overload, right? So, are you familiar with the rep range continuum at all? Yeah, I think so. So it's it's the idea that like you know within the one to five rep range, you're kind of focusing on power and strength, six to 12 hypertrophy, 12 and above muscular endurance. And it kind Mm. of works on a spectrum where if you leave these ranges, like if I want to train for hypertrophy, if I go to 13 reps, it's not like I'm going to, oh man, I hit 13 reps and not 12. I'm not going to gain any hypertrophy. Yeah. No, it's a continuum. You're just going to gain less hypertrophy as you start to move outside of those ranges so when we're training for calisthenics right if you're looking to develop hypertrophy you just have to work within those hypertrophy rep ranges or close to them it doesn't even have to be directly within them and then the other important principle that we have to remember is progressive overload so you need to just make sure that the exercise is getting progressively harder over time and one of the greatest ways that i found to do this with calisthenics is to do weighted calisthenics yeah right if you're doing chin-ups and you want to develop hypertrophy for some of the muscles of the back and the biceps, and you're doing chin-ups and oh man, like I can do 15 chin-ups now, I can do 20 chin-ups now. I'm not really going to be developing as much hypertrophy, which was my goal, or strength, maybe if that was your goal. So what can you do? You know, throw a dumbbell between your legs or throw on a weighted vest, right? You yeah. can you, you can get a weighted belt, you can add some weight. So weighted calisthenics is something that I think is also another great thing to incorporate. If you're someone who's looking for specific adaptations and you want to use calisthenics as that transport vehicle to get you there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's definitely like really good advice for if you want to build that hypertrophy and you can do a lot of chin ups and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I know that, um, I, I started doing chin ups before and then I started doing like pull-ups with my hands like this. So it's, um, but I, I felt like my back grew the most when I started doing pull-ups then instead of like other rows and stuff like that, that I would do before. So I think it's good to mix it up. Even if you're, um, even if you don't just do solely one thing, I think it's good to kind of give your body that other stimulus.
0: Yeah. I also think, um, the one thing that, like you said there, that kind of caught me was like, you started to notice that your back got bigger when you were doing pull-ups as opposed to when you're just doing rows. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, people get caught up in this idea of training, muscles and if you don't know all of the anatomy it's very simple to be like oh i'm training my back by doing rows well that's great but the back is composed of so much muscular musculature and when you're doing rows right you're doing a horizontal pulling movement you're going to be working like the trapezius the rhomboids but you're not really going to be hitting the lats as much whereas when you do pull-ups you're hitting the lats a lot more you're doing a vertical pulling movement and that's going to give your back a lot more width. So, I you know, you can focus on developing specific musculature if that's what you're into, if you're into bodybuilding, but I also think that it's important that as athletes, we prioritize training movements. So, when you're training your back, don't think about it like training your back, think about it like training movements. I'm training horizontal pulling movements and vertical pulling movements. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And I think so that yeah, I think that's the best way for athletes to train. Um, And for most people that train in general, unless you're specifically training for bodybuilding and looking to develop specific musculature in certain areas.
1: Okay. So if we're talking about like a push pull, um, like weekly um, split, are we going to do like a, a horizontal push and a horizontal pull for like horizontal push and vertical push for one day and then the other day is horizontal pull and vertical pull?
0: um you you can set up your programming however you want like if you were going to do um like pushing and pulling on the same day so like if you were going to do like an upper body workout yeah you you could throw in all of the movements you could do vertical pushing and vertical pulling as well as horizontal pushing and horizontal pulling or you can switch it up where if you have two upper body workouts for the week right you could do one day that's focused more on just pushing or one day that's focused more on just pulling Or you can, you know, mix it up even more where it's on this day for my upper body workout, I'm going to do horizontal pushing and pulling. And on this day for my upper body, I'm going to do vertical pushing or pulling. It really depends on what adaptations you're looking to achieve and why you're training those things. Like what what are your goals? When you're laying out a program of any kind, you have to keep in mind the end goal first. Like that's what you should start with. Begin with the end in mind. Where do we want to be? And then we lay out, The program and how we're actually going to
1: get there okay yeah because i was thinking like for me personally i wanted to i was doing a upper like full body like i said but i want to kind of split into push and pull um just to try it out a little bit but so is it would i be doing like um every single day like every single day i'll be doing the upper body or would i do like push rest and then pull rest and like that
0: um you you can um set it up however you want so the okay. like the typical splits that you'll see is you know either you'll do full body workouts or you can do upper and lower body workouts like separate or you can do push pull and legs and so again it's just okay. a way of like um separating the different movements and so if you wanted to do an upper lower split you know you could do the upper day monday lower day Wednesday, upper day, Friday, you can just go back and forth taking rest days in between, or you can split it up even more into push pull legs. It totally depends on like what your goals are, but then also how you like to train. I know a lot of guys who they understand that more training frequency as in like the more amount of times that you train a body part per week is typically more beneficial up to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So full body workouts are great. But some guys just love to do push-full legs, and so they do push-full legs because it's not just um, how great the program is. It's your adherence to the program. So, for example, you saying there, like, I've been thinking I want to try this. Then try it, man. Like, go for it because if it means that you're going to stick to your workouts even more, even if the program is just slightly less efficient than the program that you're already on, there's no problem with trying it if you think that you're going to adhere to the program even better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Like, like I, like we talked about before, it's more probably more important to do something that you like a, a workout that you want to do than kind of doing something that you don't want to, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, like for me, I, I, I love training full body. It's something that I've done um, a ton over the last three or four years, mm-hmm. but I know like one of my buddies at the gym, he likes to do push full legs and like he, he knows that full body is great and that you can get a ton of frequency in throughout the week, but he likes push full legs. So he does that. He, he's fine with maybe sacrificing that little bit of frequency in his workouts, which might be able to drive his specific, um, specifically desired adaptations a bit more because he just wants to have fun. You know, like we're not all in there to reach specific goals. And even if you are, yeah. adherence is going to be the biggest driver of that anyways. Right. So if you want to switch it up, definitely switch it up. The one thing I would kind of caution people, though, to avoid doing is program hopping. And so once you pick a program, and let's say that program is six weeks or eight weeks, stick to it for the entire duration of that program, because programs only work if you do the whole program. If you pick a program that's six weeks, and you stop two weeks in to do a new program, and you only do that program for two weeks, and then you hop onto a new program, you're gonna find that you're not going to reach your goals at all because you're not completing the program in its entirety. And a lot of these programs are set up very specifically to drive adaptations at specific times to get the greatest overall net result at the end. And so if you're hopping from one program to the next all the time, that's not gonna be the greatest idea. But if you've done a program for a few months and you think that you wanna switch it up, yeah man, switch it up.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that's really good um advice, especially like the program hopping thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's definitely difficult. because um, now with like all the information that's coming out, it's good. But also like you're just bombarded with all this stuff and like one day yeah. somebody's telling you to do this exercise, so then you do it, but then the next day, like somebody's like, Oh, this is the this is the curls that you want to do if you want to get big like biceps and stuff, yeah. so then you try it out. Yeah, so um that-
0: That was a big challenge for me in like my former years training was uh, just like, there's so much information out there and a lot of it seems so cool and so revolutionary and you want to switch it up all the time because you always want to be doing the best thing. Yeah. But the best thing is to pick a program and stick to it. Hmm. So for, for wherever you're at, you know, feel free to switch it up, but make sure that when you pick something, you stick to it and you give it the benefit of the doubt even if something seems to be shinier over here you know like you don't have to go for every new shiny thing stick to programs because they're laid out to work
1: yeah but i think also that with the thing that comes to sticking with programs is um how do you know when it's time to switch so for me something that i've been trying to think about is if we're talking about hypertrophy versus strength training like how do you know when it's time to get out of that rep range and then Uh, switch to a different one
0: yeah so um this again is also going to be variable to some degree most programs like if you're and here's the thing if you're new to lifting like for me i write all my own programs because i know what works for me i've i have the experience i've done it over the years and also like i just enjoy writing programs i like to make up my own programs i don't really want to follow anyone else's that's my prerogative yeah. But if you're new to training and you know nothing about sets and rep schemes, um, like whether you should do a percentage-based program or an RPE-based program, it's best that you just find someone's online and stick to it. And there's a ton out there. There's a ton that are for free. You know, you do uh, five by five. You can do five, three, one. There's a ton of different um, training programs out there if you're looking to develop strength or hypertrophy or whatever it is. Um, with that in mind you know, changing up the sets and reps that will be laid out in the program. So you don't even have to worry about that, but there is going to be a time where you might need to switch up the exercises and, and to determine when that point is, I would say when you start to see a, like for a certain amount of time and it could be different for each person, but let's say, let's say you go two or three weeks without getting any kind of strength gains on, on a specific lift. Okay, let's say that we're using the squat for an example, and you've been training, and in the last three weeks, your squat hasn't gone up at all. Like, you feel like you haven't seen any, any progression. You've been writing it down, you've been tracking your progress, and nothing is going up. So, there's a couple things that can be going on here. Either you've, um, your body's become so used to this exercise where maybe it's time for you to change up the stimulus a bit, where it's not like you would move from squats to like an upper body workout, but you would go from like squats, which is a knee dominant movement to another different knee dominant movement. Right. Okay. So yeah. back squats to front squats, something right. Um, or perhaps maybe you've just been training very hard and you've accumulated so much fatigue that it's time for you to just take a break in general. And that would be called a D load. So yeah. for me at this point, I'll usually train for, I four to six weeks and then I'll do a deload where I give myself four to five days off and it's not completely off. It's just, I go and I train in the gym, but I kind of have just fun. I'm lifting light. I'm not trying to hit any PRs or anything. I'm not trying to lift heavy at all. I'm just giving my body some time to rest and relax. And then I hop back on my program. So that's what I would kind of say, if you're looking to determine when to change things up for sets and reps, and the amount of weight that you use just go based on the program for the exercise variation if it's not laid out in the program go based on when you start to see things um cease progressing okay does that make sense
1: yeah that makes sense yeah um yeah like like when you stop trying to see like when you stop trying to see like strength gains and stuff like you said yeah okay I understand
0: (laughs) yeah sorry I I tend to ramble so it's it's
1: okay it's very
0: easy for me to just go on and on if uh if I am just be like hey man I'm lost I don't know you lost me a few sentences ago you're rambling you're going in circles
1: (laughs) yeah that makes sense though but what about like but I was kind of trying to think about like um how do you know when it's time to switch from like an exercise that like if we're taking curls and chin-ups if Mm -hmm. I can do curls like you know, you can set the weight. So it's kind of easier to find that good hypertrophy. Like I can do 12 reps with 30 pounds or I can do like only um, like four or five sets, for example. Um, so when would you know that it's time to stop like doing hypertrophy turning and move into strength?
0: Okay. Okay. Um, again, that, that would be laid out typically within the program because that's going to be okay. based on sets and rep schemes yeah. As you start to lift heavier and heavier weights, you're going to have to decrease the amount of volume that you're doing. And so, again, volume is just the total work. It's yeah. the sets times reps times load. And so when you're using lighter weights, you can get away with incorporating a lot more volume because the weights that you're lifting, they accumulate much less fatigue. But as you start to lift heavier and heavier and you start to work within those like strength realms as laid out within the program – you're gonna find that you're going to need to drop the amount of sets and the sets that you're doing. Like, you're gonna to have to drop oh, the okay. of volume that you're doing. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So, stick to the program, um, whatever it is that you choose when moving from hypertrophy to strength. If you're laying out the program on your own, just understand that when you're working in hypertrophy rep ranges, the loads that you're going to be using are much lighter, and so you can handle more volume, you can handle more sets and reps. Yeah. When you start to work with lower reps, you're going to be working with heavier weights, and so you're going to have to decrease the amount of sets that you're doing.
1: Yeah, or and, decrease and, the reps, but increase the more sets, right?
0: Yeah. So yeah. So again, it's volume is sets times reps times load. All right. These are like our training variables here, and okay. typically with most programs, if we're looking at just like linear periodization, we're going to have the uh, load going up over time and the volume is going to be going down over time because as we start to work with heavier loads we can't handle as much volume yeah if we try to maintain the volume as we start to lift with heavier loads we're just going to accumulate too much fatigue within the body and we're going to like just halt our progression we're not going to be able to continue progressing and we're going to need to deload a lot sooner
1: yeah yeah that makes sense that yeah i understand now
0: Yes. Yeah. And, but in terms of like when to progress from hypertrophy to strength, you know, it's usually laid out in programs and it's usually in four to six week blocks. But again, it depends on the program. For example, with me, I use concurrent periodization. So I work on hypertrophy and strength at the same time. So, so Mm -hmm. it depends on the programming. And there's, there's so much that we could like dive into here. Um, but the, the general principle is pick a program stick to it intensity is going to go up over time load is going to go up over time volume is going to go down over time at some point you're going to accumulate enough fatigue and you you should deload at some point and then rotate yeah. exercises
1: yeah um i think the deload days are actually really important though because for me um i do a lot of jump training like for my legs right mm-hmm. so kind of like the two main pillars of jumping is speed and uh strength so yeah like when i when i do um the way that i do my workouts is i have like a strength phase um where i do more like nordic curls and uh single leg squats and stuff like that and yeah. then more plyometrics is for speed and like usually once i once i after i do that um like speed uh, phase then that's when i feel like the most of bouncy like that's when i feel like i can jump the highest yeah. Um, yeah so that's why i was wondering for upper body if it was kind of similar like when you would know when to switch Cause for me, I felt it like after I kept doing more plyometrics, I was like, damn, like my legs kind of feel weak right now. You know, like, I feel like I need to up the strength, strengthen too. So for me, it was something that I just felt by myself, but yeah. I think something that's really important is the deload days. Cause I think for everything, once you take a break from it and you come back, um, it's like a refresh for your body, you know? So you can yeah. kind of like go higher.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like with any kind of training program, you're going to just like continue to accumulate fatigue over time. And if you don't ever kind of take that rest to drop some of that fatigue, eventually you're going to plateau. And if you just keep trying to train, you're actually going to regress in your training. You could be getting stronger and stronger, but your fatigue is accumulating within the body. And if you just continue to try to lift weights and your fatigue is still going up, you're going to plateau. And if your fatigue is still going up because you're not listening to your body and you're not taking that deload, as fatigue continues to go up, eventually your body's actually going to regress. You could be training as hard as possible. Like, I'm trying to like get stronger so bad. Yeah, stop, man. (laughs) Like, you're just going to get weaker and weaker if you keep doing that because your body is like so tired systemically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely like there's a saying like less is more sometimes, you know?
0: Like, definitely definitely man. if you
1: take that break um <laughs> yeah. but talking about deload days and rest in particular um how Im- how important do you think like rest and recovery is like compared to the actual workouts that you're putting inside the gym
0: uh i here's the thing i would say that recovery is more important but uh it kind of depends because you could like say well my training is so horrible that like there's no possible way for me to make gains. So you could maximize your recovery as much as possible, but if you're training yeah. is just absolutely awful, you know like you're not going to get any stronger. I would say that I guess they kind of go hand in hand, they're relatively equal. You can train really hard, but if you're not sleeping enough every night, if you're not eating enough food and if you're not eating enough quality food, good like good luck, good luck making any kind of gains whether it's in hypertrophy, strength, power, speed, doesn't really matter. Recovery is equally as important, if not more important to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, I feel that sometimes like once I don't get that much sleep, because I like to sleep a lot, like I, I sleep, Um, I might go to sleep at 10 and then wake up at like 8am or something. Yeah. Um, But once I, the days that I don't get that much sleep, like, even the actual workouts themselves, like, I don't have that energy. You know, I don't have that feeling to actually like go hard in my workouts. So Mm -hmm. like once my, if my workouts are going bad, then like, I don't, I feel more lethargic and stuff. So I do not really sleep that well. And if my recovery is going down, then also my workouts are going down as well.
0: Yeah. It's it's almost like a compounding effect, right? Where like, if you're trying to get strong, like if you're training hard for whatever adaptation you're trying to elicit and then you're not sleeping at night, not only does that mean that like you're now even more tired. So again, if we're looking at that fatigue index, your fatigue has gone up even more because you're not sleeping at night to kind of bring it down a bit. And then when you're training, you can't put in as much effort, right? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't work as hard. So how are you going to get any stronger, any faster, any more powerful if not only are you developing more fatigue because you're just not taking care of ret- recovery, but you also can't even put in a good effort in your training right so and that's where yeah. like your training could be really amazing like the program could be really amazing but if you can't stick to it because you're not sleeping enough at night and you're not getting enough quality sleep or if you're not eating the right foods or if you're not eating at the right times it makes it very difficult for you to make any kind of gains in any kind of way
1: yeah i mean i definitely like it's crazy to think about like how important that stuff is. Um, I think definitely now it's more, it's more and more um, starting to get normalized, I guess, like to, it's, it's important to go to sleep. Like that's the methods that you
0: hear. Like yeah. everyone's
1: saying it, you know?
0: Yeah. It's but, so funny. I feel like it, there's been this shift where, you know, 20 years ago, people would have been like, I'm only going to sleep five hours a night so yeah. that I can get my edge on the competition. I'm going to wake up earlier to train. And it's like, now we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm getting eight hours of sleep and I'm taking a nap today. So that I yeah. can train as hard as possible and keep that fatigue down.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's, um, it's a different, it's definitely a weird like thing to think about um, that if you do less, it's actually more like if you, if you rest more, um, even though you're not like putting in, you're still putting in the work, but um, you're not like, waking up at 5 a.m. or something and going to sleep at 12 a.m. Yeah. Um, it's, like, weird for the brain to think about it. I mean, I for me, it is because it's, like, you know, if I'm going hard every single day and I'm, like, pushing myself, then that would mean that my gains would also be going up, too. But it's kind of, like, the opposite.
0: Yeah. And, honestly, I would say it's the same with a lot of things in life, right? You know, like, if I'm trying to study – for exams or I'm just trying to study for school in general, I might think, you know, I'll stay up later tonight and get up earlier so that I have more time to study. But that's probably going to be counterproductive. It would probably be a lot better for me to just, you know, go to bed early, wake up a little earlier, feeling refreshed and have that fresh mindset for when I actually go to study. So it's no different with, you know, when you're learning new skills, when you're training, when you're studying for school rest is 100% important. And it's probably like as important, if not more important than the training and studying itself.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, sometimes I even might like skip a workout at night just to get that extra like hour or two hours of sleep in that I know is going to help me the next day to like, instead of having two bad workouts, I might as well just have one good one, you know?
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's a great way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And it's not like that much, if you think about it in a long, long scale, if you skip one workout, it's like not even making a dent in how much workouts you're actually going to do your whole life, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like what's your training career? Like Yeah. Uh, 10,000 training sessions, right? Like, okay, I skipped one so that I could get better sleep. How far off track is that going to put you, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but also talking about like mornings and nights, do you, do you prefer working out in the morning or the nighttime?
0: Uh, I would say it's kind of just depends on whatever I get used to. Like last summer, um, I was waking up a lot earlier, obviously in the summers, we have more sun earlier in the morning and I would work out at like 7am and I felt great doing it. But this winter, like I was training around one, two in the afternoon and that's when I found, uh, I felt the best. So I would say it depends. I could probably get used to either. It's just whatever I do the most. Um, obviously in the morning, you're going to have the most energy. You know, your, your body's just waking up from a restful slumber. So you get some food in you, maybe wait an hour and then train. You're probably going to have the most energy at that time. But for me personally, you know, it just depends on whatever I get used to. I can train in the morning. I can train in the afternoon. I can train at night as long as I'm consistent with that. What I don't like to do is train in the morning one day and train at, in, at the night the next day you know yeah like that that is when i start to feel messed up with my train i'm like man i'm so tired it's like 7 p.m i do i don't want to work out anymore yeah so it's whatever you used to
1: all right um so that's like all the questions that i really have planned for today so um i just want to thank you for you know coming on the podcast because i know you're up and coming like youtuber already um like every day i i might check your um youtube and stuff to see like the new videos and i just see the subscribers like just piling up every single day so i think it's really (laughs) cool to see that
0: yeah thanks man it was a blast to come on